Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not going to force it in this direction, but <clears throat> this morning I'm talking about God's keeping his promises. Sometimes I think we spend a lot of time trying to convince people of that rather than just trying to get people to see it in us. We try to get people to intellectually understand it rather than saying, wow, I, I see it in you. Because this, uh, this song just told us to fall on our knees. We just talked about, oh, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I wonder sometimes if we just want people to know that God is great, rather than in our worship and in our life, proving that God is great. We say, well, Pastor, God doesn't need our help. No, he wants our life. He doesn't need our help. He wants us. Uh, now, I'm not trying to push you on this, but let's just talk. <clears throat> we're going to get to uh, the Word in just a moment, and we're actually going to be reading, if you have your Bibles or your iPhones or whatever you have that has the Word on it, we're going to be reading in just a moment. And it's, it's a powerful passage, but not one you would expect necessarily. We're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 21. Um. There's a, in the study of hermeneutics, just wanted to impress you this morning. There's, um, there's something called a meta-narrative, which, which means in literature, it means that there's a, a big picture to this story. There's, there's something that we look at when we look at the word of God, and it's not just about one chapter or one verse, that's where we get in trouble if we're not careful. It's looking at the whole story of God from beginning to end. There's one story, there's one big picture. And, and again, it's not about you and I, but it's for you and I. It's, it's not about us personally, but it's personally for us. It's because God loves us. And from the very beginning in this, in this narrative, in this story, because we have a history, you've all heard this before, we have a history, but it's really his story. Our story fits into his story. And that's, that's why, and quick lesson, it's important not just go, my favorite scripture is bring no more futile sacrifices. You can't just pick one scripture and it somehow makes sense of your life. It's knowing the story of God's word and seeing your life in the word of God and what he is doing in your life. So when we talk about Christmas and leading up to Christmas, I just wanted to start by God's fulfilling his promises or God keeping his promises, God's promises. There's an old hymn that we used to sing many, many years ago, Standing on the Promises. 
I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises that cannot fail, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. It sounds like he's standing on the promises. I am. There's only, there's only one place to stand, and it's on his promises. Now, do you always see the promises fulfilled? No trick questions, I promise you. Not right away. You know, I just received some great news. Um, I know Nick had mentioned that we um, were, you know, we gave a, a few turkeys and a, a box of food. But, man, Andy and Victoria have already been so gracious to allow us to be a part of this. They fed 1,000 people last year, and they just told me that this last week they fed 3,000. With two turkeys, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a miracle. No. Uh, how, many, how many turkeys did you personally fry on Thanksgiving? Nine turkeys. And, that, and, and believe me, many, many people participated. But I'm telling you, what is that saying? It's saying God is just saying, if you will surrender something, I'll bless it. And you'll be amazed what I do with it when I get my hands on it. So we... We set goals of, well, we want to we do this for Jesus. And he's like, well, just surrender it. And let's see what I can do with it. Why? Because God has promises. Now, this, let me just preempt this by saying this is not about name it and claim it. This is not about finding your promises and grabbing it and blabbing it and whatever. This is about what is God saying. And what I want us to look at in this meta narrative, there's also things called uh, a foreshadowing. It's in the Old Testament when you would see the different characters at play, and God in their lives would, would give us a shadow, give us a, a glimpse of what he's trying to do through Jesus Christ. And usually when we look at this passage, the characters in this passage, there's one special part of it that I'm not going to go to today, because I want us to stay focused on the promises of his arrival. And how that he's already arrived. And what does that mean for us today? You see, before we read this passage, let me just set this up. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 12, um, this is where God and Abraham have their first conversation. And God tells Abraham in this conversation, he says, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be a blessing through you. God makes this promise to him. And I can't preach through all these chapters, please forgive me, but if you move up to chapter 15, you learn pretty quickly that Abraham has been waiting to be blessed. Abraham has been waiting for all the nations to be blessed, but in order for him to be a blessing, and in order for his seed to be spread, and he will have more uh, descendants than the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky, he has to have a son. And the problem is, as time passes, he's getting older, and he looks to his wife, and she's getting older, and he's like, okay, this must not be the way. This isn't the way God's going to do it, so I want to help God. And then his wife comes to him and says in chapter 15, I've got a way we can do this. Here's my maidservant. Um, so they have a son. His name is Issachar. Now, I, I'm or Ishmael, sorry. And so he, they, he then finds himself thinking this is the way. I've got a descendant. But God shows up in chapter 16, 
or he has his son in chapter 16, but God shows up in chapter 17 and says, listen, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? God, come on. I was trying to help you here. And look at Sarah. I'm paraphrasing. Who is 90 years old? Bear a child? Really, Lord? Old that Ishmael might live before you. And then God said, no. My promise was that I would do it. This isn't on the PowerPoint, by the way. Sarah shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with this descendants, they will be after him. So then we find ourselves at Genesis 18. Now, in Genesis 18, and I'm, I'm just setting up chapter 21, so God made a promise. Abraham decided he was going to help God with this promise because thank, thank the Lord none of us are like that. God promises us something, and if it doesn't happen in our timeline, we start praying differently, we start acting differently, we start helping differently, and, and we find ourselves start living differently, or we just give up differently. We settle in differently. Am I making sense? And so God shows up to him and says, no, th this is going to happen. And he gets a little bit more specific. And by the time we get to chapter 18, and may, I know you've heard this story before. They said to him, where is Sarah? Now, three men, two are called angels, and third, the third is called an angel of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, and please, if you've never heard this, don't get nervous, but in the Old Testament, there are many times when it's considered an angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnate coming of Jesus Christ, meaning that, that Jesus would come in other forms and speak to people, but when he came as Jesus Christ, he remained. Now, because what's happening here is Abraham and Isaac are sitting around waiting on this new promise that still hasn't happened. They're waiting on this promise from God. They know Ishmael's not, so what they have to do and what they try to do isn't working. So now they're trying to just be patient. Three messengers, one being the angel of the Lord, come, and they're talking. Abraham, just glad to have company, it sounds like, kills a fatted calf. He's trying to get some food together. He calls them in, and while they're talking, the angel of the Lord says, where's Sarah? You're going to have a son in nine months. When she hears this, starts laughing. Starts laughing. Now, some translations will simply say that she started acting, yeah, right. Okay? Because she's 100. So even in this setting, having a child and nursing a child at 100, people are thinking, yeah, right. I'm too old. It's not going to happen. Come on, Jesus. But now here the, now the angel of the Lord says to her, what are you laughing at? Listen, is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's what he says. Is there, now, I'm, this is not the message today where I need everybody to run out and try to have babies. Now, there's, yeah, there are, there are some stipulations on that, please. 
We want you married. But so any, anybody under the age of 40, please, church growth is important. Now, but here's what he's saying. What are you laughing at? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? So before I even read the opening passage this morning, let me ask you a question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? We just sang about the lion and the lamb. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? We just said that we're going to stand on his promises. Let me just ask you a question. Are you standing on promises that you really believe in? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? Think about your circumstances for a moment. Think about the people in your life that are sick. Think about the people in your life that have a need. Think about the people in your life that are struggling. And in our minds, we're just saying, Lord, please help them. I'm telling you, that's, that's our way if we're not careful of laughing and saying, yeah, right. On the other hand, what if God is saying to us, is there anything too difficult? Now, let's fast forward. Let's read this passage because I think it's pretty important. Because now Isaac is born, and let's, let's just read, starting at verse uh, 21, starting at verse 5. Actually, verse 1. I love this passage because it speaks powerfully. It speaks powerfully. If we just stayed on the first verse, it would be powerful. The Lord visited Sarah as he said. And the Lord did to Sarah what he had promised. Now, let's just stop right there for a second. If it says nothing else, the Lord did what he said, and he fulfilled what he promised. Case closed. I need need more information. That's usually the problem. We want to control it. We want it to make sense to us. And listen again, we we say this, I say this all the time, we know we don't check our brains at the door, but can I tell you why some of us are still sitting here about six steps behind where God really wants you is because you're waiting for things to make sense rather than stepping through open doors and watching God do miracles. We want to step ahead when we see the miracle. Everybody wants to get closer to a miracle. But when you understand that maybe you're the miracle, where people are waiting on you to take steps because when they see a move in your life, that's when they start saying, all right, God is real. This makes total sense to me now. Because they have, they have this passage set for us because they want us to see if God said it before, he will promise to do what he said. Now, see, we have the benefit of already having the New Testament, right? <laughs> we have that. I'm wanting you to see that God's always practiced it like this. We see Isaac here, and it tells us, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son, which was born to him, who Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised him on Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have bore him a son in his old age. Um, You know what this really could have been titled? God has the last laugh. (laughs) 
See, because when we laugh at what could be, and then we see what God has done. Now, I need you, I really need you guys this morning to get a little bit historical. Because I want you to think back at your life a few minutes about things that you thought was not going to happen, and that did. God came through. It wasn't the way you thought. It wasn't the way you expected. It wasn't how you would have planned it, thank the Lord. It wasn't how you would have designed it. But now, all of a sudden, the things that you had been praying for are the things that you had been struggling with you suddenly realize the things that I thought, God, there's no way. All of a sudden this morning, just hearing this reminds you, standing on the promises that cannot fail. God keeps his promises. It's not our timeline, but it happened. So, so what does this say to us this morning? First of all, all of your prayers about me preaching shorter, see? God's keeping his promises. I'm actually just kidding about that one, but I wanted to see what your response was going to be. Let, let's look at this for a second, because God keeping his promises, when you look back, and the Lord visited Sarah and had said, and the Lord had said the promise, had said to Sarah, and he had kept this promise. Listen, you just need to write that down somewhere for it to be a constant reminder of what God has promised you. Now, what has this passage got to do with Christmas? Let's think about this for a moment, and we're not going to read these passages. I just want to walk you through this. How do you think Joseph felt when the angel of the Lord visited him in a dream and told him what was going to happen? Do you, do you really think that most of us would have woken up and said, wow, okay, I'm going to do that, follow that to the detail? I, I, now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm telling you, I could walk you through many examples throughout the New Testament of how as Jewish believers, they understood the Old Testament. They, they knew what the Torah was. They knew what the law was. They knew who Isaac was because they worshiped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They knew it was a very generational proposition. They knew they were waiting for the king to come through the descendants of David. They knew that's why Matthew starts out with the genealogy taking us from Abraham all the way to Jesus. Matthew's written to the Jewish believer. But so when the angel meets with Joseph, he's not speaking a foreign language. Joseph knows, okay, throughout the Old Testament, God promises something, he fulfills it. I think that's why when we read the passage, it's not so much that after the visit, Joseph was not maybe wrestling. We, we understand he was human but he was wrestling before the visit for sure. He was considering to put her away. But after God's promise, he just did it. He took care of her. How about when the angel visits Mary? This holy thing that is in you. Um, we, we talk about this all the time especially at Christmas, right? What, ladies, what if you were married? You know, will we all be shocked? Right? What is it when God comes and says he wants to do something in your life that you would have never thought of? All right, so forget having children for a minute. How about, you know, it, it, we, we can even get excited. I'm going to use you in great ways and you're going to become known throughout the world. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to bless millions. Okay, Lord, praise God, I'm ready for that. You know, we want that to happen quick. 
because we're still in the flesh. We don't even know what that school's going to look like yet. But I wonder what it looks like when God comes and says, my promises are in you, but I just want to do this simple thing. I want you just to be patient. Love him anyway. Husband, I want you to love her anyway. I want you to serve that community anyway. Don't, but Lord, I've been praying for a raise, but I gave you a promise. Stay where you are and let people see the glory of God in you there. Am I making sense? And see, what, what happens, um, just like with Mary, I firmly believe a lot of this goes back to the, to the fact that they knew the word. With Isaac being a foreshadowing of Jesus. They knew that God's promises were given from one generation to the next. And what they had to do was just believe it. When they heard the word, they just had to believe it. That's why when Mary got up from that dream, she didn't walk around for three weeks. Oh, my, can somebody please pray and fast for me about this? I, I think I'm supposed to have a, a baby and I'm a virgin. I don't know if I'm ready for that. It was happening. It was going to happen. I'm not trying to belittle this. It was going to happen. She didn't, she didn't live a life of fear and dread. She ran to her cousin to celebrate God's promise. I'm, 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 not, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to stick with Christmas here just to get you to understand this isn't about Christmas. It's about living out God's promises because you believe God's promises. And no matter how small or how big they are, just start living them. Because at some point, it might be nine months, but guess who was born in a manger? And, and we wouldn't have even chose that. We wanted a five-star, not just a hotel, luxury suite. Because after all, we already know he's the king of kings, but God knows what he's doing, right? The first visitors were shepherds. The first visitors over a period of years were wise men. Uh, the kings couldn't get their hands on. They wanted to kill him. Why are we even talking about this? Because it just proves once again, if God said it, he'll do it. If God promises something, he keeps his promises. That, that's why I love when this, when this passage continues to talk about the fact that this meta-narrative, it's not just about the story of Isaac that leads to the story of Jacob, that leads to his 12 sons, that leads to Joseph and the wonderful story in life of Joseph that leads to Egypt and leads to bondage. And then we have Moses. It's not just a Sunday school curriculum we're talking about. It's... It's a story. It's his story that when it's laid out over time, you realize, wow, from the garden to Revelation, God's hand is at work. And what it's showing me now that Jesus Christ has come is everything in my life that God has been doing, okay, I believe it. It makes sense. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I don't like a lot of stuff that's been happening in my life. I know. I get it. I can't even promise you I understand it. I talk to people all the time that come to me and they want to talk, and I think sometimes that's the best medicine, quite honestly. Because if we, if we pretend to point them to any other answer but Jesus Christ, we don't know what we're talking about half the time anyway. Our, okay, I'm going to start meddling just for like five minutes. Can I do that? 
Can I get in your business for five minutes? Two minutes? Sometimes people come and want help, but that's not really the help they need. Now, and I'm not talking about this holiday season. I'm talking about anything in our lives. Man, I need some help with these feelings. I need some help with this. I need some help with this. I need to talk to somebody about this. And see, sometimes what we really need, we might get help with the first time. So let's just use money as an example. But if somebody comes to you three or four times over the next six months with the same financial issues, they don't need more money. They need help planning their finances. Pastor, are you finished being in our business? Because believe me, I heard bad news this morning on the news. I mean, a guy had the audacity on the news, true story, had the audacity to say, if whatever you buy for Christmas, it takes more than one or two payments to buy, you're buying too much to Christmas. I thought, nobody's getting anything for Christmas. <laughs> I hope everybody likes socks. because <laughs> That's what we're giving out for Christmas, sweetheart. And that's still going to be on two payments, I'm pretty sure. Right? Now, when, when the world, when a world strategist is talking to a nation about don't spend too much for Christmas, he's not trying to get in our business. It's that we just, we just think that we can have everything we want, but there's no consequences. Now, how does this fit into what I'm talking about? When you're following after a God who has promised that he wants to do something in our life, total surrender means I might want to learn something in a lot of different areas of my life. Because what I find out even spiritual, when people come and they're wrestling with things, it's the thing that they're, they're really not wrestling with that thing. They're wrestling in their trust in God's promises. For instance, I don't feel saved. This, I don't, there's no joy in my life. I don't feel saved. I don't feel like I'm good enough. Then you really don't believe that God loves you so much that it's by grace that you're saved, not by works. If it, by, if it was by works, we're all in trouble. If I'm saved by how good I am, we're all in trouble. If we're saved because I feel like I'm saved today, I'm in trouble. I can make myself believe that I'm saved about a lot of things. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. This does fit in with what I'm talking about. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. We can believe that we need to help God, but God doesn't need our help. Just like Abraham tried to help God. But God doesn't need our help. He wants us to trust him because he's already provided the answer. But one of the greatest applications you can make out of this message today is to stop living in guilt, stop living in fear, Stop living in that bondage. Stop living in that, in that anxiety that you're not good enough, you're not, you don't measure up enough. Therefore, you're just not going to try anymore. Uh, you know what? I, I, you know, I, I can never live up to God's standards. I can't tell you how many people I talk to sometimes, the reason they don't even consider church or think about coming is I can't measure up. Listen, I just want to give someone comfort. Look around the room. Nobody does. With all of our good works, with all of our good stuff that we do, with everything nice that we do, and we do a lot of nice things, we don't do them to earn, we do them because. Anything we do, it's not because we're trying to earn it, 
It's because God loves us so much, it's the least that I can do. I want to show, I want to show off. I want people to see God in my actions. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. Those are rare in my life right now. And usually when people see stuff in my life, it's not real good. Can I just encourage you, don't stop trying? Seriously. Don't stop trying. Because I promise you at some point, people, they, you know, they, they may see you start to walk a little bit and you keep tripping. And they, and they may even tell you, well, that's not going to work, is it? That Jesus stuff's not going to work very well. Stop talking to me about church. I keep seeing you live what you say you're living and I don't see it. Well, how many little babies, once they start walking, stop falling? Don't get quiet on me. Well, not our baby. Our baby walked when he was two months old. No, come on. Uh, do we scold children for tripping? Do we get mad when a child is trying to learn how to walk and they miss a few steps and fall? No, actually, we sort of celebrate it. And then we say, get back up, get back up. Come on, get back up. Come on, grab my hands. Now, let's take a few. What if we treated each other like that? You know, what if, what if someone fell and instead of us sort of kicking them while they're down, because that's, listen, um, when, we start, when we start keeping the church in the four walls, it's easy to do that. Because then it's safe, and safety's in numbers, even if it's four. Right? And, and then we call it a grace group. Right? But, but we don't want anybody to get in because at least we're comfortable with our discomfort. At least we're good with our dysfunction. And instead of letting God be God and touching many, many people, we just get comfortable. And I hope I'm making sense. This really does go with our message. Because God's got so many promises for us that we're not living out. And, and this isn't about, oh, man, where's that promise about a lot of money? If you're praying that, he already knows you can't handle that. You know, I, just, I love you, but you're not getting near that promise. I thought everything was possible with God. It is, but the stuff that's got to change first is in you, right? Well, what about, Lord, I, I really want to be well known. Then know him well. See, I think a lot of the times when we think we want what we want, we're wanting it out of the flesh. And now God created us, but we're fallen. But I find the more I, I stay close to him and the more I stay in his word. See, the thing I love about Abraham, and believe me, we didn't, you know, several chapters I skipped over from chapter 12. Don't think Abraham wasn't a rascal. Right? As a matter of fact, don't think anybody in the Old Testament wasn't a rascal. But when you continually are listening to the Lord and walking it out, God is faithful. Because it's not about you, it's about his promises to all generations. He, he wants to impact the world, and he, he would love to use us, but it, do we really trust him? I'm trying to talk about how this could be applicable in our own lives right now. See, I believe that God's given you guys some promises. It might be in relationships, it might be in finances, it might be in your work. Because we, as an American church, are able to individualize everything. Everything. 
It's about me. But I believe God uses that to deliver us from ourselves. If somehow we can just say, yes, Lord, what do you want to do with me? The more you stay closer to God, you'll realize little by little it's not about you. Because you'll start hearing words like, go. Lord, but what do you want to do with me? I want you to go. Yes, but what's in it for me? <laughs> Trust me. Can that be more tangible, Lord? Please, I'm just praying like I do. I know you guys don't pray this way. <laughs> Lord, can you make that a little bit more tangible? Yes, listen to your wife. I got a whole lot of silence on that one. <clears throat> it's still good preaching. I don't care if you don't, don't like it or not. But See, what, what I'm saying is God uses the people around us. Now, now, now when I'm st off doing my own thing, then it's going to look like things called accountability. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to speak to me. And when he does, he's going to tell you, I told those three people to come and tell you, and you didn't listen to me one time. Now, see, I, I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable, but here's why you're so uncomfortable. You're wanting change, but you're wanting to stay right where you are. You're, you're wanting revival without anything to die. You're wanting a move of God without you moving. Making sense? And see, I'm just speaking from my own personal life. I found that anything great in my life that God wants to do, the first thing that has to die is John McLeod. And I'm like, but God, what's up with that? He said, I can't revive you if you're still in control. I can't, I can't make you a better husband. I can't make you a better father. I can't make you a better pastor if you're still on your throne. And see, it's, it's, it's amazing how God works because this doesn't mean, and please, I know my wife is sitting right here. I'm trying to be very careful what I say. Don, if you don't mind going to children's church, I'll have a freedom. That, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> here's, here's what that looks like. Now when you start surrendering, it's not that God makes you a great theologian overnight. It's just while you're praying one morning, something just clicks in your mind, and you just go have a conversation with somebody, and they're like, how did, how did you know that? Thank you. Thank you for praying with me about that. You have no idea what that's done for me today. And see, that would have never happened. It would have never happened if I was trying to do my own thing. It's a continual practice when we're at home, amen? It's something that's got to continually happen at home. But I, I'm, I'm just telling you this morning, as we move into these holidays, we know we can point back to Isaac and see the promises of God fulfilled. We know we can point back to the New Testament and see that Jesus Christ came. That's what we're celebrating. We're not just celebrating the fact that he came, but we celebrate his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. So now what are we waiting for? If Abraham was waiting on the promise, his son, and he arrived, and then they're waiting on the Messiah, and he came, died, buried, rose again, ascended to the Father. Now, guess what we're waiting on? 
Thank you. We're waiting on his return. So what, what does that mean for us? Do we believe it or not? Do you believe God's promises? What, how does that change my living, guys? How does that change how I treat people? How does that change what life needs to look like? How does that change how I go back and, and build, build conversations with people that bring restoration? How does that look like when instead of judging people, like we just said a moment ago, we know someone's hurting, we know someone's falling, we know someone's getting beat up by life, but instead of kicking them one more time, what if we reached down and we were the ones that picked them up? Now, this, is, this really, I'm not preaching ahead of my time on this. As a matter of fact, it's going to sort of be old news to some of you. But what if it was instead of um, people saying that they live a lifestyle or they believe certain things that we adamantly do not believe, what, instead of saying, be cursed, God put us in this world, but we're not of it. Yeah, but where are you in? Um, you got to get in it. So what, what if getting in means you might have, listen, two friends who don't believe in Jesus? What if you had a friend who lives a different lifestyle? I'm sorry, we can't be friends anymore. Listen, I'm not, I'm not telling you that we have to embrace lifestyles. And I know we've all heard, you know, I love you. I love the person. I don't love the sin. Don't use that statement. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. We, we prove how much grace we need every day. What, what if we just love them where they are, and, and all of a sudden, like, please, I hope, I hope this is making sense. All of a sudden, it may take six months or it may take nine months, but they see us birth something. Where'd that come from? I wasn't expecting that. I was. It was a promise from God. Isn't it beautiful? Now, I don't know what that is. Uh, we know it's not going to be a baby, right? From, from what I understand at the beginning of the service. But, but. What, what if it's a, a, an attitude adjustment that's just taking some change, taking some time? Boy, I know I'm on, um, what time is it? Okay, sorry. Can I have 30 more seconds and I'll close? Um, discipleship in its simplest form is this. Following Jesus Trusting him every step of the way. And that's hard, but what did he promise? It's in his word. Let me, let me just read a couple of those to you and how we can see how God fulfills his promises. Can I do that? <clears throat> in Genesis, says, I will put enmity between him and the flesh, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. In Genesis 12, we already read this this morning, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse you. 
In Acts, it says, you are the heirs of the prophets of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. Listen, God is raising us up to be a blessing. Not, not yes, praise God. That's why I mentioned the, the 3,000 at the Buffalo House, because we were just giving food, trying to help out feed 1,000 maybe. God can multiply that, and it's not about us. I say this many times. I want people to know Jesus. They may never know my name, but I want them to know the name of Jesus. They, you know, we, we talk about this, and I think it's important. If Grace River Church somehow was wiped off the map tomorrow, would this neighborhood miss us? If, if you somehow disappeared off the planet tomorrow, will your family miss you? not trying to get gory. I'm just saying, what kind of impact are you having on people? Do they see Jesus? Are they glad to see you come? Or will they be happier to see you go? Will they ever know you were even here? Uh, let's read a couple more passages, and I'm closing. Christ, the Bible tells us in Micah, you will be born in Bethlehem, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come the one who will rule over Israel. Now, this is fulfilled in Matthew, but we have to believe this. When he had called together all the people, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born, in Bethlehem, in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophets were written. Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd his people. Um. We're living in a culture, maybe it's just this time, and maybe it's just this present moment in history, but it's your moment in history. Will you follow the ruler and trust his promises and just simply walk it out? Surrender to him and just walk it out. I'm trying to make application as, as simple as possible because I know all of us are going to face different issues in life. And let's just stand. I'm going to close in prayer. Praise team, you don't have to come. Sorry. God bless them. They're, they have to sit on the edge of their seat because they don't know what I'm going to do sometimes. And I apologize. <laughs> but, but what does this look like for us this week? I challenge you not out of you trying to earn God's favor. Because this isn't about pleasing God with our behavior. This is about just as children, trusting him and just following after him and just watching what he does when we simply live a life of obedience. I, I know that tomorrow you're all going to face different issues at work, different issues at home. It, it's, it's too hard. It's not simple enough to be able to say, do this, do this, and do this. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you're getting ready to have a conversation and, and something in the back of your mind called the Holy Spirit says, don't go there. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to your common sense, man. All right? There's something called common sense and there's a supernatural. If it's common sense, listen to it. Don't go there. Don't do that. Ah, it's It's okay. Don't go there. Listen to it. Let those, let those common little processes take place in your everyday life 
And it's amazing what God's promises and how they show up. Why? Because God keeps his promises. So what has God been saying to you? What has God been doing in your life that you can point back to? Because my prayer is maybe in nine months. I know in my own personal life, and I don't want to go into detail right now, but in my own personal life, some of the things I'm just laying the foundation for right now, even in this church, the Lord's already shown me I'll never see it. Because it's so generationally positioning itself that this, the real fruit may not come for a few generations. John, you'll never see it. But neither did Isaac. Neither did Jacob. Neither did Moses. Not as we see it now. I, I just wonder if we're willing to lay foundation, plant seed, trust God for even the things we cannot see. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you. Lord, we know that we, we come together these next few weeks to celebrate Christmas, and yes, we will celebrate, and there'll be great um, parties, there'll be gatherings, but Father, somehow, in the midst of it all, I don't believe that you're even really impressed with all of it. Lord, whether we're humble shepherds or wise men, it's will we bow. Will we follow you in such a way that we believe you exist? Will we live for you in such a way that what you're doing in our life begins to bear fruit? And Lord, even when we think it's impossible sometimes, we just trust you. Because you remind us again, is anything too difficult for the Lord? All things are possible. So, Lord, we, we close this service today, sort of how we began this service. Your promises are yes. And amen. Praise the Lord. You are dismissed. I love you. Be blessed. Have a wonderful week. And for the rest of the year, Merry Christmas. Many, many times. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.